Welcome in. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Justin Berg, and it's Crosstown Shootout Week. We got a lot to get to with the shootout coming up on Saturday at 2 o'clock. We'll also talk a little bit about the uh, victory over the NKU Norse on Tuesday. Uh, but before we do all that, first, I want to remind you, head to 513shirts.com and get your Bearcat Journal gear for Christmas. And if you do so right now, 15% off all orders. Use the code 1515-OFF-ALL, 15% off all orders at checkout, 15-OFF-ALL, the number 15-OFF-ALL, or 20% off orders over $100, and that's 20 off 100, the number 20-OFF-100 at checkout. That'll get you a good deal at 513shirts.com, free shipping over $45. Make sure you go to 513shirts.com. On the drop-down, you will see Partners. Click on Bearcat Journal. That'll take you to the Bearcat Journal merchandise. We've got hats. We've got the trucker hat. We've got the uh, the the fitted New Era cap is in now with the BCJ logo. We've got the BCJ hoodies. We've got the Red Helms merchandise. We've got stickers. We've got all kinds of good stuff. And if you want to get that for Christmas, go ahead and make your order now at 513shirts. Dot com while you're there explore the rest of the website a lot of great merchandise from the guys at 513 shirts so get your bcj christmas shopping done buy it for someone you love buy yourself a christmas present berg that's my favorite buying yourself christmas presents <laughs> might as well i bought myself one i got a new tv i Ooh. i was i was well i was getting one for the little one for her birthday uh because her tv in her room isn't a smart tv And I was shopping for smart TVs, and I saw a deal on one. So I was like, I'm going to get one of those for me, too. Yeah. You got to buy yourself stuff every now and again. I mean, you got to treat yourself. So instead of a TV, though, go to 513shirts.com. 15 off all at checkout for 15% off all orders. 20 off 100 at checkout for 20% off all orders over $100. Free shipping on all orders over $45. 513shirts.com. Make it happen. Go get your BCJ gear for Christmas. All right, Berg, let's get started. Mix Media today. Mick Media, as we call it. And uh, not a whole lot said that you didn't expect. I, I tried to get some guys to open up a little bit and say it was more than just one game, but they wouldn't. They're trained well. They they took from their uh, their teachings well and said it's just a game, which – Everybody in town is saying right now, but we all know for us it's different. It's an important one. It's uh, a home game for the Bearcats. It's the first game of the Travis Steele era for the Musketeers. Uh, Potentially losing a starter last night who is in concussion protocol right now in Tyreek Jones. I'm sure we'll talk about some of that. Uh, But before we get into the shootout, Bearcats claimed a 13-point victory over NKU on Tuesday night, a game that many were worried was going to be a nail-biter. It was a game Cincinnati led by double digits for 29 minutes and 55 seconds, Um, a game that they they played very well and uh, worked out well for the Bearcats, Justin. It was was a good game as... uh, they, they were able to take NKU star Drew McDonald out of the game, um, really never let NKU get into any offensive rhythm until very late, and really outside of some turnovers in the middle of the second half that allowed NKU to get it kind of back in that 12-point range. Um, once they pulled away, they had a 14 nothing run in that game uh, when the game was tied. It, was it 13-13 or 15? Yeah, 13-13 and then... Bearcats went on that 14-0 run, and that was pretty much it from that point. It was uh, it was a very impressive performance by this team. Out, I'd say this, and so far this game and what we saw from Ole Miss like against Ole Miss were the two most impressive things we've seen from this team so far this year. Yeah, for sure. And, and like you mentioned, taking Drew McDonald out of the game pretty much completely, especially in the first half when he was 0 for 7 from the field, and he didn't. He didn't record a point or assist until there was less than two minutes to go in the half. So on the defensive end, they did what they were supposed to do. And 
NKU did miss a few open shots that uh, they would probably normally make, especially a couple from McDonald. But I felt like on the other end of the ball for Cincinnati on offense, um, they were doing pretty much whatever they wanted. And the offensive rebounding, I know, is a giant part of that. They got 13 of their 18 misses back. So you do that, and, I mean, it's pretty hard to beat Cincinnati. And 45 points in the first half for UC against pretty much anybody, you like their chances. But – we were sitting there during that that stretch, like during the 14-0 run and then towards the end of the first half, and we were like, I can't tell. I mean, is, is UC good? Is, and you, know, you kind of said, well, I don't know if I'm ready to go that far, but I think that they're further along than we thought at this point is probably a fair way to put it. Is that how you would? Yeah, you know, I think that's how I would, would justify it. I thought, um, especially, I mean, I thought coming into the season, inconsistency was going to be their biggest issue. Um, and then especially after the Ohio State game, we won't we don't know from minute to minute what we're going to get from this team. I'll tell you what, Berg, over this eight game winning streak, it's been pretty consistent. I mean, yeah, they're attacking, they're playing downhill, they're playing aggressive on offense, they're not settling for jump shots. I know it warms your heart. I think this is the the least number of threes per game so far shot since Mick was hired as head coach yeah no doubt Uh, they're they're playing to their strengths they're playing to get the ball up on the rim and go get it um defensively once again they're excellent they're top 10 in the country and in points per game allowed um they're far from perfect there's still a lot to improve that's why i'm not ready to go ahead and jump on the this team is really good bandwagon but i expected and you know these next three games are the litmus test where we find out if they're good or not. I expected more ups and downs. I expected more inconsistency, and we haven't really seen it. There's been some guys emerge and some guys that are playing well that were gonna have to happen for to get to where we're talking. And and, and let's face it, man, Jared Cumberland's had a couple good games. He hasn't had a great junior season to date. It's been in. He's been more inconsistent than anybody. And that was what we thought would be the consistent. Yeah. There's, there's, of course, there's a major caveat because you're looking at this, this eight game winning streak plus the second half against Ohio State that they played good ball for the most part. But I mean, they really haven't played anyone that anyone needs to care about on the NCAA tournament selection committee. They don't have any wins that's going to turn any heads. But, but the consistency has been there. And you look at Cumberland, he just, he's, a, he's, dealing with a whole new role. And that role is that the defense is paying a ton of attention to him. And like Cronin said today that, you know, just a lot more work to get to, to get the ball this year. But that being said, like you were just talking about. So to me, the story of the season is the UC offense because, you know, last season's team, people talked about that. That was okay. One of the best offenses, if not the best offense in the Cronin era, they had, Obviously, you lose your, you know, Kyle Washington, who was one of the best scoring big men they've had. And then Gary Clark and Jacob Evans goes without saying what they brought to the table. But last year's team was only 49th in the country in offense. And to me, I, I always and, and we talked about this a ton last year. And, and, and since I've met you, Chad, is that I just feel like a lot of times Cincinnati lets teams off the hook. And last year's team, their three point attempt percentage based on their field goals, they shot 35% of their field goals were from three that they took this year. They're all the way down to 27%. And if you look at their, their ranking, so that, again, they, they were 49th last year. They're 57th this year. I mean, that's not a huge difference. They started the season, I believe 76 in Ken Palm. They're already up 19 spots. And like you said, Cumberland really hasn't been great. Um, if you look at his individual offensive rating, it's the exact same as last year. How crazy is that? Yeah, it's it's like one hundred nine point seven. Like so, the only thing that's really uh, there, there's there's a couple differences. One, he his assist rate is up a few rungs, but on the other side of that, his two point percentage is down under forty percent. Um, he's so taking he's, some bad two point shots. Exactly, and 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 so, but you know, I think he's just he he's he's doing the best he can. He's he's still feeling it out. He's had moments where he's looked unstoppable, and then other times where, including the UNLV game, he just didn't have it. But but even when he didn't have it. Like, go back to the UNLV game. 
yeah, they only scored 65, but they had 17 turnovers. They shot 49%. So you, you cut those turnovers in half. I mean, they score 75 plus points in that game and they, they dominate. So, um, you know, like you mentioned, this three-game set coming up, because they really haven't played like a dominant defense yet. Xavier's far from that, but they will pack it in, and they will try to not let UC get downhill. Mississippi State on the road will be the, the ultimate test for the early part of the season. And then UCLA's got a ton of size. So there's three different looks to see. But Because I, I feel like, you know, their defense, is it's been good at times, but it's not Cincinnati level. I mean, they're 23rd um, in the country, which is, which is not – Bearcat level defense yet, so they're still not there on that side. So if you look at this matchup coming up, I mean, I feel like they're it's gonna, especially the three game set. Like they're gonna do well in the three game set if they can continue to do um, some of what they've been doing on offense. They're not gonna they're not gonna hold these teams to fifty five coming up here. They're gonna have to get sixty five plus to win any of these games. I feel like so. Um, what I wanted to get to you know get your take on Chad Brendel, owner of BearcatJournal.com, would be. Um, Supreme strate- leader. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not adding that in, um, <laughs> but he, here's what we, here's what we want to get to Chad. So, so schematically, strategically, um, what are they doing differently this year that has allowed um, them to get more high percentage looks, produce more free throw attempts. So, so that's the first thing. And the second thing would be like, which players, are showing you more than you thought you would see. So let's start with like kind of strategically schematically on, on the stuff they're running. Well, a lot of it is, and and I've seen a lot of people say they're running the same stuff. This is completely different stuff. Uh, They're not anchoring a big in the post. Um, Now you'll see Nazir Brooks and Trey Scott uh, more than anybody else. They'll still spend some time down there. Um, you know, on a, on a, on a pin down or on a, on a dig, um, and, and try to get position in, in the post, um, just slipping a screen, things of that nature. But the, the offense isn't anchored around having at least one and sometimes two guys working block to block. Um, I think they've, they're, they're one, they're, those guys are operating a lot more in the high post, uh, which especially for Trey Scott really suits him. Um, one, because as he's shown, he's got a nice touch from 15, 16 feet. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a really good passer from there. Uh, so defenses are having to respect that. I think we've seen a lot of that when teams have gone zone. Um, and it, it's kind of pulled them out of that zone. Um, and you're seeing a lot more, like I talked about, the pin down screens um, to create a curl. And Jaron Cumberland and Kane Broom are excellent off of those curls. Keith Williams is getting to a point where he's pretty good off of those curls. Um, and then, you know, the big relocates and, and can try to post up or he's there for the weak side rebound if there's a mid-range shot off of that curl. Um, they're getting higher percentage shots. Uh, when they're taking threes, they're taking really good threes. I think that has been critical. Um, because you don't, I mean, we know we've said this the entire time. You don't have a lot of guys that are going to make contested threes. You don't have guys that are going to be, you know, that are three point shot makers that hand in their face. Doesn't matter. They're still going to knock it down. Feet, not set body, not square. They're still going to knock it down. You've got guys that are going to be pretty good in rhythm. Um, but in order to do that, you've got to be able to to get them the ball in a catch-and-shoot situation. The one thing I think I've noticed more than anything, this team is getting paint touches off the bounce. Um, be it Justin Jennifer, be it Kane Broom, be it Jaron Cumberland, Keith Williams, Logan Johnson, we've seen from him when he's in. Um, they are making defenses collapse, making defenses kind of scramble and, and get out of position making a big guy come up to contest a shot, which opens up avenues for offensive rebounding. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is the one thing, and it's I, I'm big on guards getting paint touches. And we haven't seen a lot of it. That wasn't a strength of Troy Copain. It wasn't really a strength of Jacob Evans. Um, and, you know, over the past five years, those are the two guys that have had the ball in their hand the most. It is a strength of Jaron Cumberland. He's not going to beat you 
He's not going to shake you and beat you off the dribble. But when he gets downhill, there's not a whole lot you can do to stop him other than take a charge. Um, and then with Kane and Justin and and Logan and Keith, those guys are guys that can get in the paint and then cause a defense to collapse, cause you know a big guy on the weak side to get open for a dunk like we saw in the first uh, bucket of the game against NKU on a drop-off to Nazir Brooks. I know it, like that's that's ultimately Justin your like favorite thing on the planet. First play of the game, you get a dunk. Like you're feeling pretty good about that game, aren't you? Well, yeah. And then when you end up at halftime with 33 free throw attempts, to th- or I'm sorry, 18 free throw attempts, and you're under 10 three point attempts. I mean, yeah, you can't have anything better than that. And and really, this is probably gonna end up being a jinx for Saturday. So I'm sorry if this ends up happening. But their effective field goal percentage is the best it's ever been, and it's only nine games in but um i mean they're they're their shooting numbers are better than they've been and like you said because i think that they're just getting better shots last year's team uh wasn't too far behind that but they i just felt like at times they didn't get it into the paint as much as they could and maybe like you said it was but you know partially the personnel but um they did take some quick threes last year and they, and they shot a much higher percentage of their shots from three but i think if if you asked Mick, what his um, main concern is, is that the turnover rate has been um, higher. Troubling. Uh, this, yeah, actually, it is the highest that it's been in. Wow, in his whole time here, he, he, they're turning the ball over on. Oh, I'm sorry, that's defense. Um, hold on a second, seventeen point six. Okay, <laughs> um, it's a little higher than last year, but they still don't. I, I think even last year he was a little upset with where it was. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's the highest that it's been in the last four years. And, uh, you know, the, the UNLV game is the one example you point to, and then you looked at the NKU game and some of the, some of the stuff is, is, is very unforced. Um, but I think that's going to be, you know, his, his main concern, um, but well, everything else, I mean, it, it, go ahead. I was just going to say the the main culprit there is Cumberland 21 turnovers on the season in nine games. He's too smart of a player for that. He's too good of a player to be averaging over two turnovers a game. Um, you know, that's that's for him uh, an area where he can greatly improve. And, yes, some of it is teams are loading up on him. So when he's trying to get where he wants with the ball, there's more attention, there's more activity around him. But some of it's just, you know, a, a, a lazy pass or trying to do something that's not there in transition. Um I really think with him, you know, that needs to uh, see a significant change because, you know, Kane's going to turn it over a little bit. Keith is going to turn it over a little bit. He's not a finished product on that in that perspective. But Jaron is the one you need him to be secure with the ball, and he's just not been as good as I, I expect him to be. Um, and I expect that to improve going forward. Yeah, I think he's when you're adjusting to that role is, is you know, it's it's that fine line between trying to make something happen when there's nothing there because you feel like you might have to, versus letting the game come to him because at, you know early in the season there was that 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 stretch where okay you know he even said after the one of the games uh, that he needs to get started quicker he can't wait till the second half and so. It could be some of that where he's getting used to when he needs to to be aggressive. But yeah, some of them he's just kind of uh, throwing a pass that's a little head scratching. He did one; of, he had one of those against NKU, and then um, he was just dribbling down the lane one time, and the dribble just got high on him, and he lost it on another time, just trying to make something happen. But I think he, I think you know it. It's interesting because like it seemed like, especially in the beginning of the Ohio State game, and that whole game was like, man, he's going to have to do everything for this team, but. The way it's shaping out now, I mean, maybe he he should he should go back to letting the game come to him a little more and be more of a facilitator, and then um, that'll take some of the pressure off of him, and then he'll be able to get better looks. He doesn't have to force shots because there's so much attention being paid to him. I wonder, and that's another thing I had I had written down to to ask you about is, um, do you feel like? I guess it's hard without really breaking down the film, but like I wonder if his presence alone, whether he's 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 more efficient or not just his presence alone and what it's drawing from the defensive uh, game plan opening stuff up for everybody else i'm sure that's some of it but still you can't turn it over over two times a game like that's just 
that's not how the system works. That's not how, you know, what Mick wants to do works. So, yeah, it's good. there's some give and take in that, but his basketball IQ is too high to be making that many mistakes. And some of them are unforced. You know, some of them are a, a product of what we just talked about, but some of them are still unforced. And I think one, one and a half a game is, is okay. Over two, two point three, whatever. That's 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 too much. Yeah. Well, his usage rate's higher this year. I mean, it, so if you look at his turnover rate, last year he was seventeen point one. This year he's eighteen point two. So it's not not a huge difference. I think it it gets magnified in certain situations. Um, but he's he's his usage rate is up quite a bit this year. So um, he may be turning it over at a similar clip to last year. And and. I think that's just, you know, with a team's best player, you're going to get some of that. But some of the shot selection, I think, is an, is is probably another thing to look at with him because his two-point percentage is down. I mean, he was 65% his first year. He was 49% last year. He's down under 39% this year from two. And the, the, the uh, Ole Miss game, as good as he was at drawing fouls, he was five for 17 on twos. And he's taken some forced stuff. He's taken some running stuff. Um, so – Again, that goes back to a little bit of uh, letting the game come to him and, and let the offense work, and he'll get good looks. And I think, uh, but I guess one other thing that would go in with that, Chad, would be that you know if the shot clock's running down, sometimes the ball goes to him, and he just has to get something up on the rim. Yeah, but he's taken off balance, one footed. I mean, shots he can't take, like pressure or no pressure. The guys around you are playing pretty well. You can't just get set in your mind that I'm going to do whatever and throw up a shot no matter what. Go back to, to – and Mick talked about this after the NKU game. Go back to the Ole Miss game. Instead of throwing up that crap that has no chance of going in, he played on balance, he got fouled, and he went to the free throw line 13 times. Like, that's where he has to be smarter about when he's going to to be in attack mode. Being in attack mode doesn't mean I'm going to throw up a shot no matter what and then throwing off a – throwing a – you're going left to right. You're shooting back to the left at the rim. Your body weight is carrying you to the right, and you throw up a one-handed one-footer. You're never going to make that shot. Yeah, he only has four free throw attempts total in his last three games on the floor, and that was the – they all came against NKU. He had none against UNLV. Arkansas playing buff doesn't matter, but – you know, in the 25 minutes against UNLV, he doesn't get a free throw attempt, and that's that's going to be it's going to be tough for him to get the points he needs to get. You know, he wants to average in the upper teens or around 20. I mean, that's the Ole Miss was the perfect example. He gets 13 free throws and and 25 points. Um, the Western Michigan game, he had 27. He he didn't get to the line that game though, so maybe my theory is re- really stupid. Um, but it just, yeah, I mean, that, so there's just adjustments. I mean, this this team, it's nine games in. There's so much, there's so much more to go, and and he he's going to go through these next three games, and he'll he'll learn what he needs to do. And but yeah, but but back to the offense. I mean, that I feel like leading up to this stretch, and especially against Xavier, because um, Xavier, looking at them, are, are you done with NKU? Do you want to get to Xavier, or do you want to do? Yeah, a, I'm done. I'm done with NKU. I mean, okay. I there's I don't think there's a whole lot to say other than. They played really pretty well. Complete overall, their defense was good. Their offensive rebounding was good. They got good shots on offense. They really frustrated NKU and took them out of what they wanted to do. It was a game everybody pointed to and said, you know, in between the trip to Vegas and the shootout could be a trap situation. I know NKU was fired up to win the game. And for 30 minutes, it was a double-digit lead, and they never really had a chance. So, yeah, um, I mean, ultimately – it was a a really strong performance in a game that could have been tricky in a game that could have been, since we're getting ready to talk about Xavier could have been like Xavier and Ohio U for 35 minutes. Yeah. Where that, and, that game was, was tooth and nail and, and it, it didn't end up like that. It ended up a, 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 a game where Cincinnati controlled the action start to finish. And one reason, one potential reason why uh, that was the case. And, and th- this would, you know, Got a lot of respect for for co- your, your buddy, Coach John Brannon, but um, 
you know, if I were him, I would spend every practice the rest of the year teaching, you know, work, working on not fouling on defense. Cause I mean, if they don't foul as much in that first half, they hang a little closer. Um, and I mean, I know they got killed on the offensive glass, but you know, it was a problem against UCF and, and uh, I mean, 33, if you send it, you know, if they're, if they're the type of team that wants to get to the tournament and upset somebody, you can't send the favorite to the line 30 plus times and expect to no, win. They've got so, to stop fouling yeah. so much. My I mean, that, goodness. yeah. Cause if they, if they, if they could rein that in, I mean, they, they'd be very dangerous cause their, their defense is all right. Um, and their defense rebounding for the most part, other than, I mean, UC was a bad matchup, but most of the teams they play, they'll be able to, they'll be able to control the glass a little bit, but yeah, they just can't do that. And, and, and that was, uh, you know, that, that was the thing that was, uh, was tough for them against UCF as well um, in that game. So, you know, that's neither here nor there. That's for, that's for the NKU podcast, those people. But that was just, that was the, that was the main factor that, that I thought, you know, is, is something they need to clean up. But, but yeah, that, that, yeah, that's, that's head scratching because John's teams are usually, they usually execute at a, at a, at a higher level and, and fouling that much is something he's got to get his teams, you know, under control because like you said, you know, playing in the horizon, they've got enough talent that it's not really going to be a problem there. But if you're going to make the tournament and pull an upset as a 14 seed, something in that range. Yeah. Can't you can't, you can't just do it on the back of let's hope Drew has a good game. Um, I mean, what in that 14 0 run, I think Trey Scott went six of six from the free throw line. Yeah, that's true. And, and that, you know, I don't even know what other free throws, if there were any others in that, in that stretch. But I remember UC was in the bonus with more than 10 minutes left in each half. Yep. Can't and do that. On especially, road, especially on the road one and two against a team like this team that's going to continue to attack and not settle for jump shots and a team that's going to be aggressive on the offensive glass, you're going to put yourself in that kind of spot. And that's where they ended up. Um, so, you know, that it is what it is. Um, as a, is well known around here, I go way back with John Brannon. Uh, we we were both uh, at Marshall at the same time in the in the mid '90s and got to know each other. I think John's a phenomenal coach. Um, I, I I pull for them uh, when they're not playing UC, in spite of the fact that Rick Boring cheers for them. Um, <laughs> uh, they're they're a team that that I have a lot of. Uh, uh, love for uh john's a coach i have a lot of love for he's a great guy um he was very complimentary of uc and the way that mick does things in his post-game press conference i think it's a good series um i know mick probably doesn't love it <laughs> uh, especially when when there's two games that are going to be at nku over the next couple years uh going on the road into their place i'm sure that's oh wait gonna... is that is that on the books for sure yeah it was uh it was part of the um, agreement to use uh, BB&T Arena is that over the next six years, there's going to be four games played, two at UC, two at NKU. Oh, okay. I didn't know that was for sure. Yeah, well, that's 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 in contract. That's yeah, okay. that's that's happening. I I don't think because of the way the UC schedule works out next year, um, I don't think next year is going to happen. I think next year's schedule is pretty set, uh, but the year after, I believe uh, they should be playing at NKU. So that's good. That's good for UC. That's a good. That's a you. You want to have tough, hard road games. I know, like you said, Mick wouldn't like it, you know, for other reasons. But I think just you know to to strengthen your team, you know, get some adversity, go on the road in a, in a you know in a kind of a rivalry game. That that's I think it's okay. Yeah, I mean, it just you want to make sure that the scheduling of it works. Right, right. Um, and as long as the scheduling of it works, then you know you're good to go. Exactly. So yeah, I mean, I'm 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 pretty much done with NKU. I thought it was a good win. I thought it was, yeah. uh, especially coming off a rough second half at UNLV. Um, I thought the first half at UNLV went really well. Uh, I thought for the most part they got what they wanted. Um, second half, too many turnovers. Uh, yeah, they, and and some of that I thought was was related to I thought the way the game was called changed in the second half. I yeah, it was it just was... It just there was no flow. There was no flow, and 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 that team, hey, that team, you know, that team 
had their well, backs, had their backs against the wall. They were they were they got some yeah. athletes. They were trying, and and you know, and UC had trouble to trouble dealing with it. You had you had two Patino disciples. Um, they've just gone the direct opposite way in the physicality that they use on defense. Because if you remember, you know, for a while, Patino was kind of of that belief of if we foul you every time, they're not going to call every foul. And that's kind of how UNLV played. There were several times, like, if you look, and it looked like, you know, UC struggled to catch a pass or, or the, they fumbled on the catch, they were getting hacked. And if it's not going to be called, then it's a great strategy. Yeah. If it's going to be called, then you see what happened in the NKU game. You go to the line 33 times. But if the, the officials are going to allow it to be physical like that, then it's advantage UNLV. I remember one specifically, Cumberland was coming around on a curl on a pin-down screen, came around, curled, went to catch the ball, and had his left arm just completely mauled and ended up not getting a complete grasp on it because he was trying to catch it with one hand, and then they get the steal and go down for a layup. But that type of stuff was what was happening in that game. I thought that was actually good for UC to experience that for with this group that on the road, you're not going to get the whistle, you know, especially in an environment like that. You're 3000 miles from home. You're, you're playing a West coast team on the West coast. The whistle's not going to go your way. You got to figure out a way to overcome it. And they uh, did. And they did. And that's what I took away from that probably more than anything. I, it, and it in no way, shape or form is complaining about the officials. It's more, you know, this is what they had to do, and they figured out a way to do it. They figured out a way to maintain the lead. I don't think they ever trailed in that game. Um, they got up early. They held on. They got, you know, they made some some buckets when they had to get the buckets down the stretch to keep UNLV at bay, and then a, a completely different style of game against NKU. And that's, I think, when, when we talk about this team's farther along than I thought, they've won a couple different ways already. From the Ole Miss game to the UNLV game to the NKU game to uh, even George Mason. Um, they're not, at least yet, and it, you know, obviously it's going to get tougher in the bigger sample size. Um, but so far, they've stayed in a pretty good uh, state of mind and doing what they have to do to get wins. Yeah, and leading up into this next game on the schedule, and you heard Kane after the, the – um... NK, I'm sorry, after the UNLV game, somebody asked him about, you know, are you going to look past NKU? He said, no, nah, he's, he's, you know, we, we know it's not going to be a cakewalk. And and then you heard Trayvon today at media talking about like, yeah, it's just another game. And, and you know what? Maybe it's time for it just to be another game. I think, I think, and, and I'll tell you this, I'm going to, just a little teaser. My, my scouting report article, the title is Xavier next on Cincinnati's schedule. That's all that needs to be said. Who cares what's happened in the past? Who cares about all this stuff anymore? Like Cincinnati needs to win. Xavier needs to win. They're both good programs. Neither one of them has any good wins on their resume. So they're just going to play ball. And uh, I think maybe me personally over the years, I, I've built it up to be too much. And then it's been so hard. Like you've been with me during these games. You know, I mean, the, reg the reggae year was my favorite. Yeah, well, that's because UC won the game, probably. No, the just the fact that, that not not anything to do with win or lose, that you literally brought headphones and listened to Bob Marley the entire game. Well, there was other I there was other artists besides Bob in there, but yeah, exactly. But, but the, I but, did not shoot the deputy. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the first the first year though at Xavier, I had I had the Jerry Tarkanian going. I was I had the oh, white yeah, towel you... and I was just chewing on the thing the whole time. And then about midway through the second half, I was like, Chad, you don't need me to stay, do you? Because I'm coming. Don't let them fool ya. Oh no. I don't try to school ya. I look yeah. over and Berg's just got a smile on his face. Bopping away to some reggae. Meanwhile, Trayvon, like, I'm good. Yeah. Meanwhile, like Blewett said in every shot, and forty like, points. Yeah, I'm like all right. Well, you know, I'm I'm just gonna try. To, I'm not not gonna get too worried about it. But did you but throw I mean, in? An, yeah. uh, you should have like an Irie. Like you all right, Irie man. Irie man. I think I did give you an Irie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but I, just from my perspective, it's just I think it's like all right. It's enough already with that. It's we get it. 
We know what's happened in the past. We know Xavier's won a lot of recent games. We know Cincinnati's had stretches in his, of the history of this game where they've won a ton in a row or a bunch, you know, a high percentage of them. So, look, these teams are they're going to meet on Saturday. And this year's Xavier team is, is, is a lot more like UC than we've probably ever seen. They've got a lot of their points off of second chances. Um, they're shooting a, a, a higher percentage than UC, but not by a ton. Um, you know, they, they've got like a big guy down low. They've got an offensive rebounder. They've got a shot blocker. Um, they've got some athletic wings. So they're the matchup. It, it's it, there's, there's a lot more similarities than we're used to. Usually there's a ton of contrast between these two teams, but I don't, I don't see as much of it this year. The, the make, so the major difference is that you know, Xavier's defense is worse than it was last year based on the numbers. And Cincinnati's offense is about the same. So I think what I look at is like, you know, Cincinnati's defense is not as good as it's been, especially last year. So I think Xavier's going to get some points. You know, they'll they'll get some they'll get some rebounds. They'll they'll make some threes. They'll they'll do some stuff. Um, but what it's really going to come down to is like, can Cincinnati continue what they've been doing on offense? And if, if they can keep getting high percentage looks, if they can get some fouls on Xavier, Xavier's done a much better job of not fouling than. NKU, for instance, um, so it's going to be—it's not going to be as easy to get those fouls, and, and they also play a different type of defense, as we know. They play the pack line, but um, to me, I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm looking at like Cincinnati's offense is going to be what was going to have to sep- get the separation in this game, and and Jaron Cumberland um, is going to have to be the the closer that that maybe Xavier doesn't quite have at this point. Yeah, I mean, I, when when we were on with uh, Mo Egger yesterday, I, I said. You know, the, I think the biggest difference right now is, and this isn't, you know, Paul Scruggs is really good. Najee Marshall's really good. Uh, Quentin Gooden, when he's healthy, is really good. But Cincinnati has the best player right now in Jaron Cumberland. And they have to take advantage of that. And Xavier's, what, 133 on defense right now? Yeah, 123, I believe. Uh, 133. On oh, is it 133? Okay, yeah. yeah, you're right. Yeah. Ha! I got Berg on numbers. Ha! I was thinking that they were – I remember they were 20th on offense. I was thinking of that too. Yeah, yeah. Who's the stats guy now, Berg? <laughs> I told I told Berg before we started I was in a goofy mood today, so pardon me. Um, but they're going to have to be able to take advantage of Xavier's defense. They have some guys individually that are solid defensively, but they haven't really gelled as a unit yet. I think a lot of that is a lot of new guys, a lot of – guys stepping into different roles um a lot of bad habits to break because i think there were some times with the jp mccura trayvon blewett era where they just were like hey we're not good at defense whatever we're not going to really even put a whole lot of effort into it um so you're trying to break that because this really this is a team, and it's funny, you could see this coming over the past couple recruiting cycles. This is a team that's now built for the Big East. Big physical guards, long athletic wings, you know, guys with a lot of toughness on the inside to rebound and bang. Um, that's Big East basketball. And it's not what they had before. It's not free-flowing offense you know they they got to a point I think at least Chris Mack did where he said, you know if we're gonna if we're gonna be able to beat Villanova, we need more than just skill. We're gonna need that length and athleticism and toughness to match up with them because they have both, and we need both. And that's kind of how the roster has shifted. Give them credit, like you said, they've they've managed to maintain in the top twenty offensively uh, in Ken Palm. Um, 113.2 points per 100 possessions, which is really good. Um, but defensively, they they haven't taken that jump yet, and a guy like Jaron has to be able to to make them pay for that. Yeah, on offense, Kane as well. And, and, and on offense for Xavier, it, a, a huge difference for them is that they're playing at a much slower pace than than they did last year um, and and in, in recent years. Um, so they're they're taking longer to figure out what they want to do. They're they're throwing it into the post. Um, they're running more stuff to try to get you know downhill if they can with with some of their their wings and guards. So, uh, and I haven't watched them a ton, 
but they just they they they're not going to score the the way you're used to scoring. Now they do do have, still have some three point shooters on their on their roster, um, which really, Wellage is, is the main one. But they have some other. I mean, Scruggs is shooting over forty percent. Yeah. Um, I mean, they they have some guys that that can knock them in if you if you let them just line it up. On the other end of the ball, they are getting fried from the three point line. Yeah. They're giving up over thirty nine percent. So. You know that that could be a, a, a spot where UC could make some hay. They could get some some better looks, and you know when they, as long as they're taking smart ones and they're not just coming down and shooting that first pass and and go and, and throwing it up there, um, you know they'll have a better chance to offensive rebound the misses, and they'll, they'll probably make a higher percentage. So um, that's that's probably you know their worst trait defensively. They're they're off their defensive rebounding percentage is good. It's not as good as it's been. I mean, in in recent years it was damn near impossible to get anything on them. I mean, you see, I don't know how they did that a couple of years ago. I guess they just had superior effort and motivation to do it. Um, they don't force many turnovers. That's nothing new. Um, they're just giving up. They're just giving up a high percentage. I mean, they're, they're about two fiftieth in the country and defensive effective field goal percentage. And so if you're giving up a high percentage, uh, high percentage um, from the field and you're not forcing turnovers, you're not going to be a good defensive team. And that's, that's where they are right now. And so that that's this leaves the door open for Cincinnati to just as long as they keep churning, they don't settle, they don't take those quick shots. You know, it, it was, remember uh, on Tuesday, UC had about a what an eighteen point lead. They come down in the second half. They come down. Uh, Trayvon Scott on the first pass throws up a fifteen footer, misses it. Mick yanks him out of the game, and uh, I think I think that was the the message to to the team was like, look, I don't care how many points you're ahead, I don't care how good of a game you're having. You can't do that. So hopefully they they take that message and they and they uh, they apply that to Saturday because that's going to be a big key um, for for Cincinnati in this game. Absolutely. Um, the Tyreek Jones thing. I mean, without him, what you just talked about, their their rebounding is is going to take a big hit. Now, it will be interesting. Um, obviously, they have the Hankins kid. Um, Wait, not everyone, maybe not everyone knows about the Hankins kid. <laughs> fill them in. I mean, well, first of all, for you listening, if you have not seen Xavier play this year, as soon as this guy checks into the game, you will understand why the student section is going to be booing and taunting him. Uh, the, the, the word on him is that he is a, a loose cannon. Um, there's a, a very good possibility that he will get whistled for a technical foul at some point. He may, um, he, he may be the, uh, the impetus for a, a scuffle or two. Um, he, he seems to just be kind of like a joker out there. He's six eleven. He, he, he pretty much scores every time he touches the ball. He's like seven, almost 75% from the field. He, he's, he's a shot blocker, which they, they generally don't have. And, um, but yeah, just, he's kind of like a goofy dude. He's got cornrows. Um, so there's, that's what he is. If you don't know. And he is, and he's he's an instigator. That's the word I was looking for. I couldn't get to it, but he very, very much an instigator. Yeah. He was, uh, he was on some D two team last year that won it all. I didn't, I don't even care who it was, but that's what they, Xavier took him from that team. And then they got, uh, a, a couple other grad transfers. They got this guy, Ryan Wellage, who's six ten. He went to San Jose state. Um, he shot 43% from three last year, average 18 a game as a junior. He's shooting 40% from three this year. And pretty much every time he touches it, it's going up. So um, you can bet that uh, there's been some focus on him on the UC scouting side. Um, they've got this, uh, another grad transfer, that's in the starting lineup usually, and his name is Kyle Castlin. He's six four from Columbia. Not not much of a scorer, but he's the type of kid that if you let him line it up, he can shoot it in. So yeah. it's just yeah. So they have they've got those key four uh, that you talked about with uh, with Jones and then uh, Gooden and, and and Marshall along with uh, Scruggs. Those are kind of like their primary. Um, scoring threats and and just you know disruptive threats on the offensive end and and um, and then then they've got the three grad transfers and then they've got two freshman wings who are about the exact same size. I'm sorry, one's a freshman, one's a sophomore. Um, 
so you know they they they've got a, like a weird mix of like guys they just brought in guys that have don't have a lot of experience and so when you're not a program who prides itself on defense then add that all up and it's going to be hard to be consistent on that end and as i said uc needs to take advantage of that absolutely um it's a game they need to be on the attack and they need to be ready from the start because that's where they've gotten themselves in trouble more often than not. Um, even the year that they won, they got behind early when Blewett got hot. Uh, the game at Fifth Third Arena two years before that, which I'm being taken out of context for something I said on the Skinny Podcast, when I said that's a game that Cincinnati, you know, had a ch- was, was in position to win and then Gary Clark does maybe the the one dumb thing he did in his entire career and reaches in and fouls Trayvon Blewett and sends him to the free throw line uh, to let Xavier get back in the lead. You know, that's a game that they should have won. You know, the, the, the tone of this thing is a lot different if they're two and two over the last four years and they split it for third and they split it Cintas, but Xavier won the game because Gary Clark made a really uncharacteristic mistake. And they got down huge in the first half. Yeah. That was the game I – This was that was the year before I was working with Bearcat Journal. Uh-huh. I think I may have told you I did not I did not watch that game. I turned my phone off. Um, I just had had it with that with the, with the Crosstown shootout. And I remember um, whatever, two and a half hours after the tip time, I just was just checked my phone and I saw they lost by two. And I just said, <sighs> glad I didn't watch that one. Yeah, that was a game they played terribly in the first half. They weren't second half, well. yeah. Second half, they played really well, um, and just couldn't get back over that hump. That was like around the time when they lost to Tulane. They, I think they was it like fifty to forty eight or whatever. It yeah. was like they just. I just had a feel. I was like, I don't, I don't, I can't even. It's hard to even watch. You see, right now, I don't want to watch them against Xavier, so I did not do that. Um, prediction time. You got, you got a thought. You got prediction. I think it'll be tight. I do. I think it'll be tight. I'm not, I, I mean, it's stupid to say who who's going to win or who's going to lose, but I just feel like it'll it'll come down to the last couple segments, and and uh, yeah, I think you know Cumberland's going to have to do some stuff. The thing that that would be a concern if you're Cincinnati or a Cincinnati fan is is um, that Xavier can put Najee Marshall, who's six foot seven and very athletic, on Jaron, and that could that could limit what Jaron can do. I mean, Marshall is not a, a a terrific defender at this point in his career, but he has the capabilities to be when he wants to be, and he's got this requisite length and athleticism. So I think, that'll be interesting. I think we'll if see. we see anything, we see Scruggs on Jaron. Really? The problem is they don't have – they only play with one big. So they don't have a lot of size. So if you put Najee Marshall on Jaron, then you're putting Castellan or Scruggs or somebody giving up you know, three, four inches on Trey Scott. And or if, the, yeah, but they if, could also, sorry, if, go ahead. If, if Jones is out, then, I mean, you're looking, you might have to play Najee Marshall at the five. Oh, I was going to say, I thought, because if, if UC plays Scott and Brooks at the same time, they could play Gooden and Hankins at the same time. If they, I'm not Gooden, um, Jones and Hankins at the same time. I don't think if they, they, do, they don't like doing that. Well, they, but they might. They, they might have a have little to. bit. Yeah, they might have to because that that would be the. I mean, if you got six eleven and six eight for UC, and then you could go six nine and six eleven for Xavier, then maybe they decide that they want to match up like that, and then you would have um, Najee at the three match up with Cumberland, and then you would still have those two pretty big guards on, you know, Jennifer or Broom or whoever or Keith whoever's in there at the, at the at that point. So, I guess if it if it comes down to the last five minutes or so. And it's a one or two possession game. Then, I mean, that's that's really what what we're going to be looking at. I I don't know prediction. Who's going to win? I mean, I, 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 my prediction is that uh, when the game is over, I'll be I'll be glad either way. <laughs> and and when we're done with this podcast, because I, I finished my article today when the baby took a nap, and I'm going to hand the article to you. The podcast will be be over, and that'll be all of my duties. And you know, at least until the game's over. Well, when the game starts, you you you'll have to work watching the game. Oh yeah. <laughs> you 
crack me up. Bernie. I don't count. I don't count watching. I mean, I have to pay attention, I guess you would say. So, yeah, that is right. part of my days. Okay, until until Saturday at 2. Okay. But you'll get there at, like, what, one thirty? So then you'll be in kind of work mode? Nah, I won't be in work mode. <laughs> I'll be in let's get this over with mode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, look, I, I, look, I think Cincinnati's got a great chance. They, they've got the right mindset. They – they're on the right track in a lot of areas. I, I I worry a little bit about the defense, though. Just it's it's been good. It just hasn't been as dominant as I think it needs to be. And and again, it's only you know the first third of the season, so it's it's going to get better. But but um, you know Xavier always has many ways to score. They always have guys that you're scared every time they 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 take the shot from three point range. They they have some of those guys again. So. It's a, it's always there's always a lot of trepidation every time a Xavier player shoots the ball from three point range for for Cincinnati fans, but yeah, yeah so it, they they've only uh, shot what fifty four percent from three in the past five years. Is that right? I think so. Yeah. Oh God, I didn't even look that up. I'm uh, well. Maybe that means they're due to brick a few. Come on, they're due for a twenty seven percent performance from three for for a night. I mean, they're. You know, or they'll just continue doing what they're doing. It's either, it's, I don't think there's going to be any middle ground here. They're either going to be cold, or they're going to be like, "Oh my God, this guy keeps hitting them." That's just that's just the you know every UC fan has that fear. What I would like to see is like, how do you flip the script and just say like like when you know when can Xavier fans be worried about this game? Like that's that's where Cincinnati needs to get to. Like when's the last time that you talked to a Xavier fan? They're like, "Oh, I'm so worried about this cross down." Shootout. I don't talk to Xavier fans. Yeah, well, you do a podcast with one. He's not, oh, he's, he's not a, a fan. Yeah, I guess he's, he's not a fan. Yeah, uh, okay. Just just ask him; he'll tell you. Okay. Um, All right. What's your thought? <laughs> I think I think Cincinnati wins by six, seven points. Well, that's about um, what the spread will be. I think they six. take. I think they take care of the ball. I think they're better on the glass right now, especially if Jones is out and they don't dominate the glass, there's a problem. Um, I think this team is, is, is in a good place. Um, they've played a couple games right around where, you know, Mississippi I think is what, 11 spots behind Xavier and Ken Palm. They've played Notre Dame in the super secret scrimmage, who's one spot behind Xavier. They've played Ohio State, who's in the top 20 in Ken Palm, uh, to a close game after a terrible first Not half. Not that close. It was, the second half was close. I mean, they had a they shot to get it to three. points. They had a shot to get it to three under a minute. Yeah, after like a desperate run. Yeah, it still happened. I know. But Ohio State but, is by far the best defense they've played this year. They're 16th. Yes, and absolutely. No one's even been close to that that they played. Right. So that's you know, but Xavier's 120, 133rd. Right. So I, I just think this stacks up pretty well for a Cincinnati win. I think both teams are on a journey to to replace what they've replaced last year. From what I've seen so far, I think Cincinnati is farther along in that journey. Even though Xavier might have a little bit more top end talent. Uh, I think it has taken them some more time to get there. Um, so I think Cincinnati buys six or seven points right around the spread, uh, which means stay the hell away from it if you're a gambler. Yeah, betting on <laughs> betting on UC and spread, man, uh, unless it's early in the season and they get a huge spread against somebody and, you're, and you know, like, there's no way. But, yeah, and a lot of – like, I think the Vegas game they didn't cover, I believe – Maybe it was right on the right on the nose. I don't know. It's been but, right on the nose. I think I think they yeah. covered pretty handily in the old Miss game, didn't they? Oh yeah, that's right. The NKU game though, I saw eleven, and then someone said thirteen. So it just depended it was on right like, around it. Yeah, like when you get your money down, because that that sharp kid hit like what two or three threes in the last three minute threes and a half. in the last. Yeah, once they yeah. they brought they brought in Sam Martin, he chucks in three threes in a twenty point game with two thirty eight ends up being twelve thirteen points. Right. So that's why yeah, the gambling is not it's not easy. Absolutely. Um, it'll be fun. Berg won't have fun, but it'll be fun. I'm just going to have to go into it like, whatever. I'm tired, I'm tired of building it up and worrying about it. It's just, there's no point. And it seems like that's kind of the, the mindset that UC has about it. They're just like, yeah, all right, yeah, we know they're going to be good. We know we're going to have to play well. We're going to do the best we can. Like, just looking at like the way Trey, Vaughn, and, and Kane were talking about it today, um, and even Mick to an extent, um, you know, 
just kind of like, all right, it's, it's been done before to build this stuff up. And it's like, just play ball and move on. That's, that's my outlook too. I'm going to, I'm going to take my cue from Trayvon Scott and Kane Broom. All right. Just another game, Bird. That's just all a, it is. Just another game. All the members is. are going to get mad at you because they're tired of hearing just another game. They might boycott Berg. Like you might, you might be on the members bad side for the first time ever. Well, if that's what happens, that's what happens. I'm just going to do what I can do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got caught up in uh, in shootout talk, but real quick, want to remind you about Trace Pountas Fresh Brewed Coffee. You can get coffee sent directly to you. The beans are roasted to order your order and shipped out immediately. Every bag of beans they ship has the roast date clearly printed on it, so you know your coffee is fresh. You've heard of single-origin coffee. Trace Pountas Coffee is one level higher. Our coffee comes from a single-family farm. Specifically, our high-quality beans come from the Race Family Coffee Farm located near the town of Trace Pountas in Brazil. They offer gourmet coffee in four roast profiles, light, medium, dark, and French roast, and they ship to you in either whole whole bean or pre-ground 12-ounce packages. They also now have K-Cups. You can find Trace Pountas Coffee at www traspontas.com slash coffee t-r-e-s-p-o-n-t-a-s dot com slash coffee all coffee orders are roasted fresh for you and shipped out immediately um, the Trace Pontas website you can sign up for a coffee subscription and get freshly roasted beans sent to you every one, two, or four weeks that's your choice when you sign up for a coffee subscription you save 10% off every bag but listeners of the BCJ podcast get an extra 10% by using the promo code BEARCATS at checkout when buying a coffee subscription. That means you get a total of 20% off every bag of coffee in your subscription, and you also get free shipping. You enter that code at checkout, and you're good to go with your Trace Pountas coffee. That's going to wrap it up. Did you, got you anything else? Yeah, just, I, didn't, I didn't get to media today, so did you look at the sheet to see who the broadcasters are going to be for Saturday on ESPN2? I did not. I did mm. not. People think it may be Dockich because he's kind of local, and he did he did uh, the Ohio State game, I believe, right? He did do the Ohio State. Okay, game. yeah. So it's probably going to be him and some other guy that like we've probably never heard of. What they just they don't care. They don't give Cincinnati any of the preferred broadcasting anymore. Um, but I, I'll, I'll tell you what, who I wish would be there, and I don't think there's any doubt. Len Elmore. He just is. He's not on ESPN anymore. Yeah, he's so. not on ESPN anymore. That's uh, that has gone away. Hold on. But he he but he did what he needed to do two years ago <laughs> to complete the Xavier and Duke broadcasting sweep victories over both clubs. So yeah, that's all I have on that. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll see you at the arena. Hold on. Let me let me see if I can find this for you since I know it is a big one. Because yeah, usually the the uh, it gets sent out. I just haven't gotten anything. That, that yeah, I don't you. think they've sent out the uh, the media guide yet for the game. No, I don't. It, it's not out there yet. Oh, and also uh, a happy birthday to Nasir Brooks. Right? Isn't today his yeah. day? And yeah. Then, uh, yesterday was his. Birthday. Oh, yesterday. Okay. And then Justin Jennifer, who three for three from the field, two for two from the line on his birthday. On uh, oh, actually, here's one last thing. Then then we'll then we'll wrap it up. So so on on Tuesday night, Justin Jennifer took a shot to the testicles. Correct. The midsection, as they call it in uh, broadcasting. Right. So that's what I wanted to say. Okay. So that's the medical term. I have never ever heard a broadcaster say, "What? What's so bad about what? What's the big deal? Why can't you just say, oh, yeah.' Like I, I've heard him. I've heard him say like uh, a shot to the manhood. Oh, well, uh, I've heard that used. I've heard below the belt. I've heard below groin. the belt. Yeah, groin. It's like I want to ask Horde. I'm gonna be like, why can't you just say, yeah, wow, looks like he took a shot to the testicles. He's whole. Oh man, I, you, I, you hate when that happens. Everyone knows how bad that hurts. What are you gonna get like reprimanded for using the <laughs> medical term of what happened? Why is the, that such a thing? I guess that just <laughs> probably opens like a Pandora's box of like he got hit in the nuts or. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I think I, you can't go past the. Me- I mean, the medical term is the medical term. You, you don't go beyond that into the, the slang terms. I'm just saying, if he, that's where he gets hit, you just report what you saw and you move on. It's America's so uptight about different things like that. It's like, dude, just say he got hit in the testicles. It hurts. I hope he's okay. 
I just, I just, I, yeah, I didn't know if you know you had any, you know, radio or broadcasting experience. Like, if there's any reason why you can't say that, because I've just never once in my life heard the broadcaster use the actual term for it. It's yeah, nothing wrong with the medical terms. I feel you. Okay. All right, that's gonna wrap it up. He's Justin Berg. I'm Chad Brendel. Neither of us have been hitting the testicles. We'll see you next time. It's the BCJ <laughs> podcast on BearcatJournal.com. <laughs>